Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Hello and welcome back to the Table Flippers podcast. I am your host, Robert Enos. Today I'm going to be dealing with chapter 11 from my book, Time for Transition. The title of this chapter is The Veil of Obscurity. After David had defeated Goliath, some interesting things began to take place in Israel. Saul experienced a shift in the way he viewed David and a change in the way the people of the nation saw Saul. David's victory over Goliath set in motion a chain of events that caused everything to change in Israel. 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 through 5 says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. David's victory over Goliath and the victory over the Philistines that it led to caused Saul to place David in a very prominent place in the army of Israel. Jonathan, Saul's son, became close friends with David, and David came to permanently live in the palace, all because of his victory over the giant that caused fear in the hearts of Israel. Keep in mind, your victories will often lead to this type of treatment from others, including those in prominent positions. The kings of our day will bring the victorious around them because they want victory in their house. The leaders of successful churches and ministries will often want the best, so they will be looking for the Davids of our era to set around them. Every ministry leader will want giant slayers on their team, so they will be actively looking for and recruiting them as they are made manifest. This is what the man of understanding does. They look for the best, then recruit them to work for their organization. This is a principle of those that know how to succeed in life, business, and ministry. If you want to be the best, surround yourself with the best. Praise leads to a murderous heart. 1 Samuel 18, 6-9 Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands? Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. What changed between David and Saul? The answer? Nothing. At least in the natural. What changed was Saul's heart. Once David was given more praise than Saul, he became angry towards David. What changed was the heart of Saul when he heard people praising the victory of David over his victories. This is something we all must be aware of. 
At times when we are in a position of David, our victories will turn into proverbial celebration by those around us. During these times, we must be careful not to allow pride to grow in our hearts, but we must humble ourselves before the Lord and those around us. Other times, we will be like Saul in this story. Those that we have built up and given the position to will at times be praised for their work more than we are being praised. At these times, we must humble ourselves before the Lord, allowing others to enjoy the limelight for the season. If we do not bring ourselves to humility, we stand to take upon ourselves the same attitude of Saul. We will become paranoid and suspicious of those around us simply because they were praised for a good work. The insecurity that plagued Saul came to the forefront when he saw that the people praised David more than him. If, or when, we ever feel this way, when others are being recognized for their good work, it would do us good to remember this story. It is during times of praise that the insecurities we harbor will come to the forefront of our hearts and attitude. When we recognize these feelings and attitudes, we should take them to the Lord, humbling ourselves before we fall deeper into pride and despair. What was it that changed in the heart of the people? The only thing that changed was that the people now could see David for who he was, a giant slayer. Once the people recognized David for who he truly was, they honored him for the man they now saw. David killed Goliath and brought freedom to the people of Israel. No longer was a hostile army on their border threatening them. Instead, the Israelites plundered the camp of the enemy because of what David did. In the natural, the only thing that changed was that David was exposed as the man he truly was. The veil of obscurity was removed, and now everyone can see the man that God developed David to be, no longer merely a shepherd of sheep, but a warrior and defender of God's people. In this story, we can find several truths that will help us in life. 1. People, even leaders, will want you around when you make them look good, just as David made Saul look good when he took Goliath's head. 2. People are enamored by the hero, including perceived heroes such as entertainers. 3. Those in key positions will want to be your friend after a great victory. 4. You will gain quick and great success after a major victory. 5. Everyone will want to be your friend and will sing your praises when they are getting something from you. And six, often when people sing your praises louder than those over you, you will be hated by those just days earlier who loved you. Most of these are good things, of course, but things we need to be aware of. Everyone seems to love being in the place of praise and adoration, but few recognize the obstacles and future heartache it can bring. As children... Most of us want to be famous and adored by the world. But what many have found is that fame and praise come at a high price. Many just cannot handle the praise of others close to them. At the same time, many cannot handle it when others are praised above them. We must guard our hearts for both pitfalls. Humility is the key to remaining free in both instances. For Samuel 18 verses 7 through 9. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. When the women sang the victories of Saul and David, giving greater acclaim to David, Saul became furious at David 
even though David had nothing to do with it. It was a spontaneous celebration on the part of the women in these cities. But now David was in the crosshairs of a jealous king. King Saul was eager to allow David to face the giant, but had not anticipated what would happen after the victory. Saul's insecurities and weaknesses were exposed when the women attributed more acclaim to David. It is interesting to note that Saul, at this point, actually had more victories on the battlefield than David. David could point to killing a bear, a lion, and one giant. Saul could point to many battles against many enemies. However true, Saul was insecure to the point that he was now embittered towards David. Saul was not secure enough within himself to allow David to receive more praise than he. Saul took this inwardly and became angry at David, even though David had not solicited the acclaim from these women in these cities. This type of behavior happens more often than we may think. Leaders want to be associated with giant slayers, so they bring these Davids close to them after significant victories, only to turn on them when the praise they receive trumps the praise the leader receives. This unfortunately happens in the church often. A lead pastor will hire a hotshot youth pastor or worship leader because of their great skill in ministry. Everything goes great as the church grows and moves forward until these underlings receive more praise than the pastor. Bitterness and anger are birthed in the heart of the lead pastor and he begins to erode and undermine the ministries of the people that were at one time close to him. The very ones that he selected because of their skill and abilities now cause him to lose heart and plan their demise. It is sad to know this, but most of us have been around for a while, have seen this take place. This, of course, do not, does not always happen, but it happens enough to take it seriously and guard against it. We must always be diligent to check our hearts and remove all such anger and bitterness, or we will fall prey to the same deception Saul succumbed to. Also, we must keep our heart in check as David did. He was the object of Saul's anger and bitterness and continued to remain faithful. David was loved by Saul as long as David made Saul look good. David's victories made Saul look good as king, but he felt weakened in his position as king when David was praised more than he. This, regrettably, is a very common problem in the church as well as in business. Many reading this can identify with what I'm writing. Some can identify being the victim of such treatment and some can identify with being the perpetrator of such treatment. In either case, we must overcome this behavior, stopping it dead in its tracks. What if you were in Saul's position? Imagine somebody under you receiving more praise from your congregation or employees than you. Would you be able to stay clear and free of anger and bitterness towards those that are being elevated by others' praise? Would you be able to keep that person close to your side even though more people want their autograph and picture than yours? If not, it is time for some deep repentance. If you could not continue to build up and train those that are being adored more than you, then it might be time to step away from your position at the top until your heart is right. What if you were in David's position? Imagine being praised and adored more than those who are over you and helped you get into that position. How would you handle your newfound fame? Would you shift the focus to those who helped you? Or would you eat it up or eat up the attention, ignoring those over you as though they were now insignificant? These questions are imperative for us to ponder because at times we will be in a position such as David and at other times we will be in a position of Saul. How we handle these situations will expose who we really are. Our hearts and characters will be on display before God and the world around us. It would do us 
all well to search our own hearts and make the needed adjustments long before we are thrust into one of these situations. Once in the situation, it is often too late to train or retrain our heart towards righteousness. If we do not make the needed changes before we come into this situation, it may be too late. Our words and actions will have already been set in the heart and minds of those around us for good or for evil. 1 Samuel 18.11 says, And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. When people start singing your praises, be careful. Some will become very jealous of your success and will try to pin you to the wall. As one group is shouting their love for you, another group will be conspiring against you. It is a terrible thing, but nonetheless true. This is not to be fearful of everyone around you, but to be sober-minded and aware of what is going on so that you are not caught off guard when these things arise. Some will stand with you through thick and thin, but others will be jealous and angry with you when you succeed. Most often, those who become jealous of another's success are those that help train and develop the very ones that are now growing in popularity. Each move of God is criticized most by those in the previous move of God. It is a strange thing to witness, and yet it is true. It is hard to admit this, but our greatest critics are often our spiritual fathers and mothers, the ones that help us succeed and achieve the victories that have brought the praises and adorations of others. This has been true in my life and the lives of many others. Those that should be rejoicing with us in our victories often become our greatest critics. Jealousy is an ugly thing. If we are to be healthy and whole as a church, we need to overcome these issues once and for all. The mature saints must not act like Saul, but instead behave like spiritual fathers and mothers. Instead of jealousy, anger, and bitterness, we need to express joy, love, and excitement when our spiritual children do more than we have done. We must keep in mind that the Davids among us would never be in a position they are are in without our help. They are slaying giants because of our input and training. As spiritual parents, we are to be overwhelmed with joy when our sons and daughters in the faith are bringing down giants, taking territory, and experiencing significant victories. At the same time, those receiving the praise and adoration of those around them need to be humble enough to divert that praise to God and to those who, who He put in their lives to develop them. We did not get to the place of adoration on our own. We need to show our deep appreciation for those who have been our fathers and our mothers in the faith to us. David could have saved himself a world of hurt had he praised Saul openly the moment he heard the women preferring him over Saul. I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, but we can learn some powerful lessons about honor from this story. Many years ago, I was the associate pastor of a church I attended. The lead apostle was the overseer of two churches, about an hour's drive from one another. This apostle had told my wife and me that he wanted us to become the lead pastors of the church we attended. For several years, we worked hard in the church under the idea that soon we would take the reins fully of that church. Out of the blue, the apostle turned the church over to the head deacon of the church, right out from under him. No communication occurred before this happened, nor afterward. To this day, I have no idea why I was lied to and led on in such a manner, but being openly humiliated in this church was one of the best things that ever happened to me. This caused me to reevaluate why I was in the church. It made me reevaluate my relationship with this man and those like him. 
I learned what not to do in ministry, and that has had a greater impact on me than all the how-to lists. Like David, I learned much from this Saul. I watched him and learned how to treat people and how not to treat people. This may sound strange, but the Sauls of the world have a great deal to teach us, even if it's what not to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is extraordinarily unfortunate, but there are too many Sauls in the church world today. Just like the story I ended this chapter with, I didn't get into great detail, uh, mainly because that could be a whole chapter, maybe up to three chapters all into itself. But we've experienced that, my wife and I. We were promised to uh, be handed over a church. We were being groomed, as they said, to lead this church, to pastor the church. We worked several years very hard at developing the ministry, developing ourselves, developing the church around us. And we were doing a approximately 75 to 85% of the ministry in this particular church. And then again, out of the blue, it was handed over to somebody else uh, that was not being trained, that was not trained, that wasn't uh, capable of running the church and operating the church as it should have. It was humiliating to me. It was humiliating to my wife. And we still stayed at that church for two more years serving so that we would not cause a church split. This Saul... This Saul that did this to us continued to do that type of thing to other people. And as I've said before, and some people, they tell me how I'm being too harsh when I say this, but I'm going to say it again. Men like that need to step out of the pulpit until they get themselves together. Because that what they're doing is wicked. It's evil. It's very Saul-like. And in a very real way, this Saul that was in my life tried to pin me against the wall with his spear. Not a physical spear, but the spear of his words, the spear of his abuse. And you know what? Like David, I just slunk out of there. And my wife and I pioneered our own church, and we've been doing that for twenty, almost 23 years now and having a great time and traveling the world. So on one hand, it was destructive to me what this Saul did to me, but yet on the other hand, it was liberating because I got out of there. I once we freed ourselves from that nonsense and we we got out and we were able to experience what God had for us. And we've been going strong for 22 23 years and I don't plan on stopping. And you hardly hear about any of these other people anymore. Why? Because of the Saul syndrome. Because of the Saul syndrome. David continued to grow in his popularity among the people, continued to grow in the anointing, continued to grow in his understanding as king and leader of God's people. And then we would say, you know, the rest is history. David eventually took the throne and became very, very powerful. And Saul, well, pretty much kind of a byword. Yes, a part of their history, but not a very good part of the history. And I could say the same thing about the Sauls in my life. It's unfortunately, but they, they did teach me a lot. I remember at that time when my wife and I founded the church 20 some odd years ago, and even up till just recently, I found myself saying this. In the ministry over the years, we've learned a lot of what not to do, and we're barely learning what to do. And I still hold on to that because I'm learning more and more and more about this thing called ministry. I'm learning more and more and more how to work with people, how to deal with people, how to minister to people. So I'm learning the what to do's, of course, but we've learned a lot of what not to do being around the Sauls. There were some good things that we gleaned from them, but 
a lot of the good things came from their abuse. I know that sounds strange, but we just basically looked at them and says, okay, what they're doing is wrong, so let's do the opposite. Instead of lying to people, let's tell them the truth. Instead of um, going around the bush with people, let's just go directly with people. Instead of talking behind people's back, let's go straight to them and talk openly. And we started doing these things, and guess what? It's really strange, you know? We started putting biblical principles into practice, and we found something weird. They actually work. So we started again. They taught us something. They taught us what not to do. So please don't despise the Saul's in your life. Um, and I know it's that's difficult. And don't despise your time with these Saul's. Again, I know that's difficult. But you will learn more from bad leadership often than good leadership. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't want to be around good leadership because you want to learn what to do. But you also want to learn what not to do. So those bad leaders, the Sauls in your life, uh, learn everything that you can. Watch what they do. Watch the reaction of the people. Watch how they treat people. Watch how they respond, especially at times like this when one of their Davids gets praised. Now, do they go and praise them as well? Do they pat them on the back? Do they say, good work, son? Or do they secretly conspire against them and attempt to pin them against the wall? Uh, I hope and pray that you're all around good leadership and you're learning the good things. But again, there's value in being around the Sauls. And that value is you're learning what not to do. So church leaders, don't be a Saul. You know who you are. You know how you treat people. If you're a youth pastor or your worship leader, your associate pastor, or somebody else in the church starts getting praised for their ministry skills and their abilities, praised even more than you, and you start getting jealous, you know that feeling. Don't make excuses. Don't hide behind something. Don't try to push it off. Don't try to hide from it or excuse it away. Just embrace it. And when I say embrace it, I mean own it. And then take it to the Lord and repent and shift. Because the reality of it is in praising your spiritual children, they're praising you because you're responsible for raising them up. But the moment you start getting jealous and you get that anger in your heart and a bitterness towards them, you failed. And pretty soon you'll be like Saul. They will start getting your ministry and you'll be a byword. You'll be falling away. And you Davids out there that are doing great things and, and, and coming up the ladder, so to speak. Listen, don't hog all the glory. It's not all your glory. Number one, the glory belongs to Jesus. But number two... A lot of the praise belongs to your mother and fathers in the faith who, who got you there, who trained you, who taught you how to respond, how to work, how to minister. Give some of them the praise. Thank them and thank them profusely. So just some thoughts and some ideas because like I said, we're in a time of transition. God is cleansing and purifying his church, his body. And I, I want us all to be found standing not falling away. So Saul's, there's time to repent. And David's, please, just be aware of the mothers and fathers that helped get you to where you are. God bless. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. 
please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.